where I think we really need to hear the voice of God, I think it's in today's time. Amen. A lot of things being said, a lot of things that the media is saying or politicians are saying, and people trying to lead you in certain directions and make your own make choices for you. But uh, I think I'm an adult, an American, and we can make our own choices, and uh, that's why we live in America. Amen. So again. I was on a conference call the other day, and our, our company, and this is not my message, but uh, the gentleman began to get into his own opinion about things, and I guess I could have spoke up and said some things that probably at that time may have not have been very appropriate for that call, so I kept my, I kept my silence, amen, but I respect other people's choices. If that's the choice they make, that's fine. But I'm asking them to, to respect my choice also. Amen. So today I want to I want to speak to you on a on a truth that I believe that has been revealed to me and that I've heard. And uh, I want to say I want to give honor to to my pastor and prophet and his his wife. Brother Kevin, Sister Diane, and all the years I've been here and the times that I've heard the truths and the revelation that have come from him and things that have been revealed to, through him and to him and that me being a, a student of the word and studying with him, and that's how we learn, amen. Uh, I think God can show you things, uh, speak to you about things, and but I believe also that you learn things from other men of God or other women of God and then you take that same truth or that revelation and you chew on it and swallow it and you regurgitate it and we're cud chewing animals, right? We, 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 we bring it back up and we chew on it again and we swallow it and chew it again and meditate and yeah. So I can't say this message is something that God spoke to me directly on, but I've taken parts of what I've heard through the years from, from different ministers. And, you know, it's very much of a privilege to be in a church that where the man of God brings in other people, uh, apostles and other prophets. He's not thinking that he's the only one that has the only word. But we've heard from other ministers throughout the years. And all I can say to you is, please pay attention to what's being said. You may hear a lot of things that maybe at the moment that just sort of don't settle well with you. Like, hmm, I'm not really sure if I believe that or not. That's okay. It's all right. I've had that feeling too. But then you take it, that same thought and you take it home and you study it and you search the scriptures. Be as the, as Paul said, the, the barbarians, I think it was, or was it of Thessalonica, was it, was it them that they were... Yeah, they were more noble because they, they took what they had heard and searched the scriptures to find out those things, if they be true or not. Amen. So let me give you a little backup or background of here, what's going on from the book of Zechariah. Currently at this time, there was four people that you need to know about. <clears throat> Ezra was the priest, and Nehemiah, and there was two prophets, Haggai, 
and Zechariah. What was happening at this time was the children of Israel had been in Babylonian captivity for years. But now they were, these four people and the two prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, were writing down things as the Lord spoke to them. And it was Ezra and Nehemiah's job to get these people to come back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. So as they tried to gather these people up, bless you, in their journey to do that, and you've got to realize that some of these people wasn't even born in Jerusalem. They were born while they were in this captivity. So you try to take someone that's lived for years and years in a certain location, uh, it's just pretty tough to get them to come back to a, to a land. Yeah, this desolate and to rebuild something. We, we, we become creatures of habit, right? We get set in our ways. Most of you probably get up and go through the same routine every morning, drive the same route to work, go to the same service station and get gas, go to the same grocery store and get your food, right? Creatures of habit. So these people had got set in their ways, but these four men were given a task and they were trying to make it happen. Zechariah was pinning down things and he wrote some words and I want to jump in. He was seeing many visions. And I think at this point in chapter 5, Zechariah chapter 5, I think we're up to about the sixth vision that he had had. Verse 1 says, Then I turned and I lifted up mine eyes and I looked and behold a flying roll. Pretty strange, ain't it? A flying roll. Well, what is that? What is a roll? Well, basically what it was was a scroll that they would have in the Old Testament time where they would pin down certain laws, the law of God. So he's seen this thing that was flying, this vision that he was having. The word flying there basically means it was open. It was flying up into the air. Verse 2 says, And he said unto me, the Lord's speaking to him now, and he says, What seest thou, Zechariah? And he answered, he said, I answered, and he said, I see a flying roll, the length thereof is twenty cubits, and the breadth thereof is ten cubits. Well, the measures of that, what, so we think about what, how in the Old Testament when they had these scrolls, there were lar very large pieces of probably canvas or something that they wrote on. It wasn't paper like we have today. But they were very large. I mean, he said it was 20 cubits in breadth. And there, I'm sorry, 20 cubits and the breadth there was 10 cubits. So it was about 30 feet by probably about 15 feet. 30 feet long, 15 feet high, tall. Pretty good piece of canvas there, right? But it had these dowels, these wooden dowels on the end of it. And that's how they would roll. They would... It'd basically be rolled up, and then you'd want to read. You'd have to roll some out here, roll some in here, roll some out here, roll a little bit. So you think about today as we have a, a book, a Bible, yeah, a codex is what they call it. So 
When we go to study something, think about how they had to study. They're, they're reading that scroll, Brother Jeff. And they get way down here at the end. And they say, oh, I remember that back over here. They, they roll it back up this way. And they're back over here, and they want to highlight that, right? They want to highlight it in the Old Testament, that, that law. Trying to connect, right? It's basically Scripture interpret Scripture. Trying to get you a picture of what this thing looked like. And see, then he said unto me, the Lord said, he said, this is the curse. He said, that goeth forth over the whole face of the whole earth. For everyone that stilleth shall be cut off, as one that is on this side according to it, and everyone that sweareth shall be cut off as on the side according to it. So is he saying here that on that scroll that it was written on one side and written on the other side? Exactly what he was saying. Things were written on one side of that scroll, that canvas, and things were wrote, wrote on the other side. Why two sides? Think about when God spoke to Moses and he took the, the two tables of stone. And he wrote some things on two tables of stone. Why couldn't it have been one table? But he wrote it on two stable tables of stone. And there's a separation in the law. Now, the Ten Commandments are what we basically mean the Ten Promises of God, what we believe today. They're not really commandments, they're really promises. They're broke up in really in two parts. Now that encompasses the whole law. Those Ten Commandments, or those Ten Promises. The first four is what we would call moral laws. What, what, what is your relationship with God? The other part is what we call ethical law. Your relationship between your neighbor, your, 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 your fellow man. So listen to them. The first four is, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. That's, that's a moral law between me and God. Thou shalt not make any, have, or make any idols before me. Thou shalt not worship anything. There shouldn't be anything that you put before me. That's between me and God. Thou shalt not take the Lord thy God's name in vain. And re remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Lord, we, a lot of people miss, on, we miss out on that one, don't we? That's on one side. That's on one table. Or that's on one of the stones. On the other side was the ethical law. And those are a law between towards me and my mankind or humanity. Honor thy father and mother. Respect your parents. Honor them. That's the first one of the ethical law. Thou shalt not kill. Have respect for human life. 
Thou shalt not commit adultery. God said He'd give you your own wife. You didn't have to desire another man's wife. Amen? Thou shalt not steal. God will give you your own possessions. You don't have to take nobody else's. Honor what someone else's. Have respect for their, their things. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Respect who that person is. Respect the mankind. Don't, don't speak evil of someone else. Thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's house or his possessions. Again, God will give you your own things. You don't have to covet. He'll give you your own possessions. So in this, this role that he's talking about, Zechariah says the Lord speaks to him and he says that this is a curse. And it's went out to the whole world. For everyone that stealeth shall be cut off. And on this side according to it, and everyone that sweareth, shall be cut off on the side according to it. There's two sides of it. But this thing is flying out into the air. Zechariah sees this strange vision of this thing flying. It's flying over the whole earth from the heavens. And it's opened up. And there's writings on both sides. And the Lord tells him it's a curse. Listen to what he says. He said, and I will bring it forth, verse 4, saith the Lord of hosts, and it shall enter into the house of the thief, and into the house of him that sweareth falsely by my name. Sounds like some of those commandments or promises we just read. And it shall remain in the midst of his house, and it shall consume it with the timber thereof, and the stones thereof. What does that mean? It comes into the house. Now we're thinking he's talking about some physical house here, but we're not talking about a physical house. We're talking about us. The timber thereof and down to the stones thereof. It'll tear this curse, this law, that Zechariah seems flying up into the air, this curse that's flying over the whole earth, he said it will destroy it from the timber, from the top of the house, all the way down to the foundation. The truth of the matter is today is what is our house built upon? Is it wood, hay, or stubble? Or is it gold and silver and precious stone? What is your foundation made of? It's not... If the storms of life come, huh, it's when. It's if. It's, it's not if. It's when. They're coming. Trust me. If your house is built upon anything other than Jesus Christ, friend, I can tell you it'll fail. It will fall. Not that. Not that God won't put it back and help you get it built back, but if you try to build upon anything other than Him, it's a curse. It's a failure. This law that he's speaking of, this flying roll that he sees, this scroll up in the air, Jesus says it's a curse. I passed her several weeks back on Wednesday nights and I think on one Sunday morning he talked about a couple of things and he read through, through the scriptures about a couple of different lists. 
that basically shows us that it puts every one of us in the category. Don't leave none of us out. That we're really all damned and doomed. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians chapter six. Is it all right if I build it up right here? Is it all right? I'm just I'm just talking to you. We ain't got to the good meat yet, right? I mean, even a good joke, you want to save the punchline to last, right? First Corinthians chapter six. I believe, I believe Pastor Keller read these scriptures, these same ones, in a, in a message just several weeks back. So it says in verse, let's see where we want to jump in at, verse 9. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor infeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetousness, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know about you, that pretty much covers every category of person. Somewhere we fall into one of those categories. You can sit back and say, no, not me. Uh-uh. I ain't never done none of those things, lie. I'm probably in a couple of those. Probably more than probably half of them. Right? I'm just being honest. We could break all of them down and see what they mean, but for sake of time, I'll let you go home and do that for homework. Right? That's your homework. Yeah, all, all these things. He says, none of these people shall inherit the kingdom of God. Not one of them. Verse 11 says, And such were some of you. But you are washed. But you are sanctified. But you are justified in the name of the Lord. And by the Spirit of God. And all things are lawful unto me, but not all things are expedient. There's a lot of things that we can do as a believer. You know, people spy out the liberty that we get to have as a Christian. <laughs> Honestly, they, they, they did it in the Bible. They were looking, they was like, how can people be so free? But I can tell you, friend, it's not wise to do a lot of things, even though you're free to go do. That's not expedient. Doing certain things just because you're a believer Partaking in certain things will actually give you a bad testimony. Now, I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. Thank you. There is a certain part that I live above reproach as a believer. Because I don't want my testimony to be scarred or, or harmed. I gave the testimony the other week to, we, we were together as a family and I made this comment. 
Maybe it's my conviction, but it's mine, and I still live by it. I gave the example, if I'd see another lady from the church, now this is me, okay? You can laugh about it or you can make fun of it, but this is how I live. Because I don't want to bring any reproach upon my Jesus. If I seen any other lady that wasn't my wife out at a restaurant and I went in just to get something to eat, if I seen your wife, Zach, sitting over there eating, I'd walk over there and speak to her. But I wouldn't sit down and eat with her. And that's just how I believe. Why? Because all it takes is one person, Jeff, to come in and say, you know what, I've seen, I seen Brother Scott and Clarissa out and eat, out eating today. Then it begins rumors, right? And not, nothing could have been going on. It was just, we just seen each other at the restaurant. Right. I mean, I got this, this is, this is for a purpose. It reminds me, I'm married to my beautiful bride. <laughs> but also lets them other people know, hey, that guy's already taken. That's right. It goes two ways. So I wouldn't do that. I'm not saying you couldn't do that, but I know I wouldn't. That's just that's what I believe, what, the way I live. I can remember when I got saved, Gaston County didn't have liquor by the drink. For years, I wouldn't go into a place that had beer, wine, alcohol. Pastor had to basically at one time said, man, come on, you're already past that. And I was. But I had to, you know, I, I was trying to, it wasn't that I was, you know why? Because I had a problem with drinking before I got saved. <laughs> I didn't want the temptation. Not there's, I go to places now where there's, I mean, I, I've sat down at places that gone with people with company and there's people that I'm eating with, they're, they're drinking an alcoholic beverage. Okay. And I'm not saying going to, you go to hell for drinking alcoholic beverage. Yes, did I say that? I don't know how I got here, but I'm here. And that'll be somebody need to hear that. But he said here, this law, this flying roll, it's a curse. He lists a lot of things, Paul lists a lot of things in there that puts every one of us in those categories. Go with me to Revelation chapter 21. Verse 7. You know, a lot of times people feel, or feel that when you preach on certain things that you're preaching condemnation. The Bible says to speak the truth in love. I think the last time I preached, I preached on when Jesus <clears throat> said that it comes by grace and truth. 
The truth of God is the grace of God. If there's something in my life that I'm not doing right, somewhere I need correction, somewhere I need to be told to change that, I'm wanting you to tell me. If Pastor Kello has to rebuke me for something that I'm doing, say, you know what, that, that, that's going to ruin your testimony. Then I expect it. You know what I'm supposed to do? Thank you, sir. That's right. If you're a wise person, you can stand rebuke. That's a proverb. Unwise people will just say, man, you know what you're talking about. I'm a free, I'm a free person. I can do what I want to. Yeah, you're right. You can. All things are lawful. They're just not wise. I'll get off that soapbox. Revelation 21.7 He that overcometh shall inherit all things. Not some, but all. And I will be his God and he shall be my, my son. Listen to this list. But the fearful. Wow. You ever been fearful? That means just worrying. You worry about certain things? Get anxiety? The fearful. That's the first one on the list. The unbelieving. Whew. That's just simply not trusting God. You ever not trusted Him before? I probably fell in that within the last month, or maybe this week. Like, Lord, do you really want me to preach this? I'm not trusting you. Right? The fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers. That's a bad one. You don't like to say that word, right? The whoremongers. The sorcerers. That one's interesting. Comes from a Greek word where we get our word pharmacy or pharmaceutical. Mind altering drugs. And be sorcery. Idolaters. And all liars. Now I know well, <laughs> Brother Scott, I've never told a lie. Well, whether it was a big whether it was a big black lie or what we want to call little white lies, you're in the category. Ah, uh, we got you. That's why it says all liars. Not the, just the big black lies. Not the, just the little small white lies. But we're all in the category. Shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. Now, I'm not here to talk about that place. About fire and brimstone. 
I don't really like to talk about it. I like to preach about heaven. I like to talk about Jesus. As Pastor Kello has told you before, you want to hear anything about hell, you're in the wrong station. We're only given tickets one way, and that's to heaven. Praise God. We're not here to talk about the devil. My wife read something to me yesterday. I think it was an older lady. She was praying. She didn't have a lot of food. She was basically run out of food and out of money. It's called this radio station. Asking that someone would help her. Well, this businessman happened to be listening to that Christian radio station. He says, I'll tell you what, he told the secretary, he said, I'll tell you what, he said, you go buy her a bunch of groceries and you take them to her and then when she asks you where they came from, you tell her the devil sent them to her. He wanted to make fun of her. So the lady went and bought the groceries, took them to the lady, set them on her front porch, knocked on the door. The woman came to the door and she said, Thank you very much. I'm very appreciative of these groceries. The lady said, well, don't you know, want to know where they come from? She said, doesn't matter. She said, when I pray to my God, even the devil obeys. <laughs> so all have their part in the lake of fire. So this is a curse, this, this flying roll, this flying up in the sky, this vision that Zacharias is. The Lord's telling him it's a curse to you. It's a curse, to, it's over the whole world. And there's categories, we just read two categories of people that puts all of us in, those, in that place. But, oh, we got a better one. Go with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 5. Chapter 5. The book of Revelation, chapter 5. Now John, in verse 4, and you can go back and read, you can read, start in verse 1 if you want to and read through it, but John had just seen, had got a revelation and a vision of God sitting on His throne. Now, I know there's a lot of crazy teaching out there. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of you may have heard that Revelation, I heard this for years. It never really made sense to me, but they always say that Revelation chapter 4 was the rapture. How many of you ever heard that? From Revelation chapter 4, they talk about the first three chapters was the church age, and then at Revelation chapter 4, when... The Spirit of the Lord told John to come up hither that that's when the church was raptured out. I heard that for years. But it never did. I never could make the... Because I found things in, later on that still didn't... But that's a teaching that's still being preached today. But what John was seeing was come up hither or come and see. Now, you only find that in the book of John. Someone asked Jesus, where, where dwellest thou? Jesus said, huh, come and see. 
you want what, what he's basically telling you at that point, you're going to get you're getting ready to get a deeper revelation of who I am. Jesus said, I live in the Father, and the uh, the Father lives in me. You want to know where I live? That's my physical address. Now mine's 314 Foxfire Run, Gastonia, 28052. Jesus said, I I, I live in the Father. And he, he lives in me. That was his physical address. Come and see, John said. But John the Revelator, we're, we are reading the book of Revelation, which I believe this whole book is revelatory of who Jesus is. It's not about the devil. It's not about some destroyed end time, all this bad stuff that's going to come up on the earth. I don't believe none of that garbage. I believe this book is about Jesus Christ. My Savior. Amen. That's who I believe the book of Revelation is about. In chapter 4 here, he's, we're going to start in verse 5, but I just want to, chapter 4, he's getting this revelation of, and he's seeing Jesus sitting up on the throne. And he sees these four beasts and these 24 elders. And all these, all these beautiful like Sardis stone and all these beautiful colors and this rainbow around the throne. In verse 5 he says this, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat up on the throne a book written. That word book there is the same word as a scroll. John was seeing a deeper, deeper revelation of who Jesus was, and he's seen him sitting on the throne, and he's seen in his right hand a scroll. It wasn't in his left hand, it was in his right hand. What does that mean? What's the significance of being in his right hand? There's a lot of things that certain cultures still believe today. If you watch a true, devout Hindu, they'll only eat with their right hand. The left hand, they use to wash their body with. Because they're basically, and in this time, so we're, we're using certain poetic words here and certain things that, that John knew that the people that he was writing to would understand. Yeah, there's certain symbolisms here that he's using. It's in the right hand. It's, it's your right. It's your privilege. These things was what was in his right hand. Now some people believe that that, that, that scroll that we talked about that Zach, Zachariah said, that that was in the left hand of God and Moses took it out of his hand. I don't know about all that, but I can tell you this, that when Joshua brought the children of Israel into the land of Canaan, He brought them through this valley, and on the right hand, there were blessings being shouted. Blessed is He. And on the left hand, they were curses. The right hand was saying blessing. The left hand was saying cursed. The law. The blessings of God. But John sees this, and this one that sits up on the throne, 
He said he's got this book in his right hand and it's sealed with seven seals. Now here's the difference. This one that's in his right hand, it's got those seven seals on it. That one that Zechariah saw is flying over the whole earth. This opened up. He said, And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy? He was proclaiming out, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? Is there any man, any person that's worthy to open the seals? And the answer was, and there was no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. What does that mean? There was no man in heaven, no man in the earth, no man under the earth. You know what that means? There's not a person that's not been born yet. There's not a person on the face of the earth. And there's not a person that has died and been buried that's worthy to open this seal of this book. No man. And the Bible says that John wept. Why? Why did he weep? Why? Because John, knowing the Old Testament, knowing what that law said, he wept. Because he knew it was condemnation to him. He knew it was a curse to him. But he knew there was something else. Because of it being in his right hand, that would be a blessing. But no man was found to unloose the seals. So John wept. He was weeping out hoping that someone, somebody would open the seals and we get to hear the blessing. Listen on with me. John said, I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. Then he said, one of the elders said unto me, weep not. You know, the Bible says that Jesus will wipe away every tear. You ever been down praying? Really didn't have nothing to say. I really, God, I, I don't know what to say at this moment. But all I could do was cry. It's a broken and a contrite heart. You want to know when you're really close to Him? Yeah, you might not have nothing to say but you're just weeping before the living God. And then you reach down and just wipes the tear away. And you feel peace. <laughs> you get up and I'm like, well, I didn't say nothing. I didn't even say nothing, Jesus. You didn't have to. He knows what's in here. He knows what's in the heart. So he told him to weep not. 
And behold, listen to him, he says, Behold the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and into the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. Hold on a minute, I thought he just said there was a, lamb, a lion. He told him there was the lion of the tribe of Judah, Brother Jeff. When John turned to see it, it was a lamb. that had been freshly slain. He was told it was something strong but it was something that symbolizes maybe weakness. He was told it was a lion, but it was a lamb, freshly slain. There stood a lamb, and it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. And if I'm correct, Pastor, I think that's, you can study those in Isaiah chapter 11. Is that correct? Those seven spirits. That's some more homework. Those seven spirits of God sent forth into the earth. And it came and looked up to the book and to the right hand of Him, and He sat up on the throne. When He had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Go with me to the book of Revelation chapter 6. John said in verse 6, I mean chapter 6, verse 1, And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals. Now we're really getting into the good stuff. John had wept because no man was found worthy. But the angel of the Lord declared to him, there's one. He's the Lamb of God. He's worthy. So we begin to start seeing the seals Revealed. And they're unveiled. Hold on, you're getting ready to see a true blessing. We've seen the curse, the thing that puts every one of us, damns every person to hell, and has their part, what the Bible calls the lake of fire. But the seals begin to open, and I saw the lamb open, and one of the seals, and I heard it, and it was a noise of thunder, and one of the four beasts saying, come and see. Again, he's saying, I'm, I'm getting ready to show you a little bit more truth in Revelation. Come and see. And I saw and behold a white horse. He that sat upon him had a bow and a crown was given to him. And he went forth to conquer, conquering and to conquer. Now these four beasts, let's talk about those four beasts for just a second. The four beasts, if you go back to Revelation chapter 4, he saw a calf, which is symbolic. I'm sorry, he saw a lion first, which was Matthew, that's right. He saw the lion, which was 
represents the kingship of who Jesus is. The next beast he saw was a calf, which represents the priesthood, which is the, the gospel of Mark. He was the priest. He was the sacrifice. The priest went in every year, or he went in daily, but then the high priest went in yearly into the holiest place and made the atonement for people's sins. The sacrifice, the lion and the calf. The next one he's seen was a man's face, which was symbolic of the humanity of Jesus. The Bible said he, come on, he, he took up on man. He took upon my likeness. Right? And the other beast he saw was a flying eagle. Which was his deity. Which is the gospel of John. His deity. So it's representing the lion, which is his kingship. I'll go through this again if you're writing it down. The lion is his kingship. The calf is his priesthood, the sacrifice. The man's face was the third beast. That was his manhood or mankind. The manhood of Jesus. The fourth beast was a flying eagle. That was his divinity. John, in the book of John, he's the Holy Ghost giver. In any, if you read any, all the four Gospels, when you read John's, it's completely different. He talks about who Jesus is. Who He really was. So this first seal is open and He said, He goes out on a white horse and He's going out to conquer and to conquer. Conquering and to conquer. What does that mean? I'm not going to go through. There's a whole lot more truth to a lot of these. I'm not going to go into a whole lot of depth just because of time. Most people want to believe, they want to take this after Revelation chapter 4. And they want to take these seals and these four beasts and they want to make it a bad thing. All of it represents Jesus from what I read. The kingdom's going forth. You want to think that things are not really happening today in, in, in this world? Everything seems like it's bad. You keep reading, listen to the media and you will disbelieve everything's bad. But there's something else that's happening. The kingdom of God is still going forth. It's happening. The church is prevailing. Jesus is prevailing. So on this horse, this first beast, this lion, this kingship is going forth. And when he had opened, verse 3, and when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast which was the calf, which was the priesthood of who Jesus was. He said, come and see. I love it. And there went with another horse that was red. And power was given to him that set up on the, to take peace from the earth and that they would kill one another and there was given unto him a great sword. Jesus made this statement in the Gospels. I didn't come to give peace, but a sword. When you start preaching the true gospel, 
It's not my intention to divide. But it will. It'll, de it'll definitely separate the sheep from the goat. And the Bible says that your enemies will be of your own household. Huh? Jesus. Lord, have mercy. Hallelujah. I remember that when I said that one time years ago, I was just a young Christian. I'd read that scripture and I said that to my mother-in-law. Bless her heart. I, I love her to death. She's a sweetheart. She's a believer, but now understand now, she didn't understand me. Still don't. But when, when I would say certain things, and sometimes even as believers, I, there's been times I've, I, I, I was like, and I might have been thinking, and my mother-in-law didn't understand me. And I was probably just, I was plowing over things, you know, at that moment. I was, I'd gone from my sanguine way to being a, getting in producer mode, and I was just plowing. Cause I, sometimes when I get under stress, I, I, don't, I don't really, I'm trying to be nice, but I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to say what I need to say and move on, right? Then I have to go back and clean it all up. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I, gosh, sorry I shouldn't have said that to you in that way. I said it wrong. I didn't speak the truth in love. It was truth, but it wasn't love. You ever done that? Yeah. And us saying when people, sometimes we really feel bad about it after we do it, and you have to go back and say, I'm sorry, brother Jeff, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to do it. But it is true. Bless God. Where was I at? Verse 4. We're talking about the red horse. The sacrifice, the priesthood. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I come to bring a sword. He comes, there's, there's a division there. Right? He said it's at the right hand, the sheep on the right hand side and the goat be on the left hand side. Right. Verse 5, and when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, come and see. Wonderful. And I beheld and lo, a black horse. And he, had a, he sat on him, had a pair of balances in his hand. And most people want to take that black horse and they want to, I've heard a lot of things preached about these four beasts. In these seals. Yeah, I'll think about the four horsemen I get back. I'm a little bit dated. I'm thinking back when I used to wrestle. Ricky Steamboat, those guys. Oh, sorry. Getting in the flesh now. Help me, Lord. The Steamboat. Sorry. Forgive me, Lord. Yeah. Speaking in tongues one minute, getting in the flesh the next. Uh, it's all right. But this black horse, he has a set of scales or balances in his hand. Now, most people want to take that as famine. Because you read down through there and it says, And I heard the voice in the midst of the fourth beast and a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny. Some people say, well, that, that's, that's, that's famine. No, it's not. I mean, a measure of wheat for a penny, 
That's a day's food for a day's wages. I mean, you go out and work today, so you get, you get to eat. Then we get some, then we really get a good deal. We get three measures of barley for a penny. Oh, wow, now it's really getting, now it's really abundant, Brother Jeff. Yeah, man, I'm eating T-bone steaks and New York strips and glory to God for a day's wages. It's not, it's not a curse there. It's not a famine there. It's, he's Jehovah Elon. We got it right back there on the wall. See those scales? This is things in his right hand. This is a blessing. Josh can tell you even the court of law. When the judge is standing up on or sitting up on his throne, to the left is the accuser. It's still that way today. Is that right, Josh? On the left-hand side in that courtroom, that accuser, the prosecuting attorney, is sitting on the left-hand side of the judge. But on the right-hand side is the defense. Now, I don't know anybody in here, if you've ever done anything wrong, that you don't want to get out of it. I want to get out of it, right? I want to be free. Yeah, I don't want to wait. I'm, I'm ready for my defense attorney, which is Jesus, to step up and take my place. And I didn't get what I deserved. Now the earth will demand as you reap what you sow, right? And we've taught that in the church. Oh, you're going to reap what you sow, bless God. Well, I don't know about you. I haven't reaped what I sowed. I sowed a lot of things to this flesh. But I'm reaping the blessings of God today. If I got what I deserved, huh, yeah, I'd be dead and in the grave. God would have already destroyed me. But thank God that my defense attorney came in the courtroom and defended me. Verse 7. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And look, and behold, a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was death and hell. That fourth beast is his divinity. He's the one that controls my life. He's the one that says where I go and what I do. It's His divinity. And power was given to Him over the fourth part of the earth to kill and the sword with hunger and with death and with beasts of the earth. And when He had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of Him that were slain for the Word of God and for the testimony which they held. Now this is, this is, this is sort of different because I don't think there's anywhere else in the Bible that it talks about that they were under the altar I don't think you can find it anywhere else in scripture it talks about people under the law and the altar is a place of sacrifice and there were sacrifices under the law so maybe in my my understanding right now is just people were these people were just under the law And there was a curse to them. Yeah, they're, they're under the altar. They're under the law. 
And listen to what he says here. They're, they're, they're praying a prayer. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou judge, dost, dost thou not a judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? Their cry was a cry of vengeance. They said, Lord, how, how much longer do we have to wait? Can't you avenge us of the blood? These people killed us. Yeah, he's crying out the blood of Abel here. The, these people were crying for vengeance. But the Bible says, vengeance is not mine, saith the Lord. Or vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So the Bible says, also says this, that the kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. We're not those people. Right. We don't take it by force. We take it by love. That's how the kingdom of God's going out. I don't have to try to be mean to people when they, when, they, when they do me wrong. I just show them love. The Bible says you can heap coals of fire on their head. And I was like, well, I read that. I was like, what's that mean? That means I get to throw fire on them, God? No. Jesus even had to rebuke two of His disciples. He said, you don't know what spirit you're of. We don't damn people. We don't, we don't curse people. We love people. We show people love. Even, even when you're done wrong. Now I know that's tough. <laughs> when you've done wrong, when you've been done wrong and somebody talks evil about you or speaks evil about you or brings harm to you, it's tough to turn the other cheek and show love. Right? But these people are under the altar or they're under the law and they're crying out for vengeance. Listen on in verse 11, and he says, and white robes were given unto them. Robes were given to them. Something was imputed to them. Righteousness was given to them. But there was also another group of people. The Bible says that that number can't be numbered. <laughs> uh, they, took, they had on white robes too, and they'd been washed in the blood Eli Messiah, of the Lamb. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm in that group. What about you, Brother Jeff? That's the group we're in. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I feel His Holy Ghost running up and down the souls. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm glad I'm in that group. Hallelujah. Oh, bless the Lord. Yeah, there was a group that couldn't be numbered. I read on with me. Jump down to verse 12. And I beheld and he had opened the sixth seal. Oh, these next two are wonderful. I'm not going to read all through them in time for time's sake, but I'll, I'll let you read. But there's a couple of them I want to point out in each seal, six and seven. And I beheld and he had opened the sixth seal and lo, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth. I will say this about earthquake. I think there's only four recorded earthquakes in the Bible. Maybe that's a whole different message. Four. Let me see if I can remember. 
One was when, uh, I think it was Ezekiel was up on the mountain. And there was an earthquake. And the only reason that earthquake happened was so God could show him that he wasn't in the earthquake. Elijah, I'm sorry. There was another one in the New Testament where Paul and Silas were in this prison and an earthquake happened. And they're the only ones that felt that, but for some strange reason, these chains fell off their hands and, off the, and, and the gates opened and they went free. Uh-huh. There was another one when Jesus died on the cross. There was an earthquake. The other one was when King Uzziah reigned for 52 years. He was a king. But he got this wise idea after he'd been king for all these years that he could be the priest and the king. Now in the book of Revelation it does say that we've been made both king and priest under Jesus. But Uzziah thought he could be king and priest. He goes into the, the temple trying to do the priest's It don't say there, but it says in the book of Amos in chapter 1, verse 1, also in Zechariah 14, that there was, a, there was an earthquake when King Uzziah did that. You know why? He was trying to be something that he wasn't. Earthquakes are only upheaves of the earth. Jesus said that, you know, people says that when There'll be earthquakes in diverse places. Right? There'll be wars and rumors of wars. Well, all earthquakes are is upheavals, upheaves between on the earth. Wars and rumors of wars are basically upheaves of man and humankind. People just have these issues and they a war comes up. Read on what it says with me. These next few are found in the book of Joel. Prophet Joel sitting back here. Amen. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars fell from the stars fell into the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she shaketh a mighty wind. Verse fourteen. And the heaven departed as a scroll, when it is rolled together. Other version says the scroll was a heaven. It departed. And the only other place that you can find that, the scroll of heaven, is the vision that Zechariah saw. He says this in this sixth seal, that thing that was a curse, it's departed. It's gone. It's not against me. Now you can build the things back again that you once used to to live under. You You can build those things back up. I used to think when I first read that, that means I'd go back to the things I used to do when I was a sinner. No, that's not what that's saying. The things I used to build up and think that made me right, which was only the law, but the law never made a righteous man. But he said in here, he said, verse 14, And the heaven departed as a scroll when it's rolled up together, and every mountain and island will be removed out of their place. This scroll is departed. 
Yeah, the curse is gone. We're, we're, we're living under the blessings of God. We're living under His grace, His mercy. He's given us life. I'm not under the curse anymore. I'm under the blessings of God. Go with me to chapter 8. Chapter 8 reveals the seventh seal. And I'm about to come to a close. I gave Pastor just a little wet piece. Just a little, I put a little morsel on his tongue right before service. And I know he's loading up on me, but that's okay. That's what it's all about, right? Because I want, you know what? Hey, I'm not, I'm not, I, I want to hear more. I don't say I have it all. If somebody else has some more revelation and more truth of this, for God's sake, please tell me, because I want to know. There's a whole lot more in here I want to study. There's a whole lot more about those seals that's got my appetite wet that I want to go study. Here's you some more homework. Go read Ezra. Go read Nehemiah. Go read Amos. Go read Haggai. Go read them all. But it's got my appetite wet. Amen? Now this seventh seal, listen on what he says. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was a silence in heaven about the space of a half hour. And I saw the seven seals, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the seven angels which stood before God. And to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer and there was given to him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne, and the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And the seven angels, which had seven trumpets, prepared themselves to sound. Now what I believe about those seven trumpets that sounded are seven voices. I think those are messengers of God. People like us that are speaking out. There's still trumpets being blown today, Brother Michael. You're one of them. These voices going out into the earth. The Bible said there was lightnings. and There was thunders. Verse 6 says, And the seven angels which had seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. And the first angel sounded, and there, there followed hell and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast into the earth, and the third part of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. And then the second trumpet sounded. And as it were a great mountain burning with fire, cast into the sea. What is that burning mountain? It's Mount Sinai. It's where the law was given. When God called Moses up there, there was this dark cloud and it was on fire. The Bible says when Moses came back down that they could even basically look upon his face. He had a veil over it. But the mountain burned with fire. 
which was the law was given. But this voice, this minister, this preacher of the gospel is saying to us today, that scroll, that curse, it's departed. It's vanished away. It's decayed. It's gone. And this mountain of the law, this, this burning mountain has been cast into the sea. So the Lord says to us today, I set before you a blessing and a curse. Choose you this day. People still want to try to live under the law and think you've got to do certain things. Jesus says, I have the book in my right hand. Now we can go to Revelation chapter 20, but for sake of time, I'll not go, go there. I'll just put it in my own words. In Revelation chapter 20, it talks about there's a judgment. And you got on one side, you got all these books. Every one of them are just books of our individual lives. You stand before God and He gets to read off everything that you desired, everything you everything you did, everything you said. Or, there's another book on the right hand side <laughs> that you get judged out of. I don't know about you, I don't want to stand before Him and have Him read out of those things on the left hand side. Everything that I've done through life and everything I've thought through life in my mind, I may have never done it, but I just thought about it. That'd be embarrassing, right? But I get to see the one on the right-hand side. The Bible says those that are judged out of the book of life. Those names were found written. Thank God today that my name, hallelujah, is written in that book of life in the blessings of God, it's called the Lamb's Book of Life. Hallelujah. But the revelation of it today is that that law, that curse that Zechariah saw, it's gone, church. We don't have to live under that. Don't let nobody put you under that. There's another blessing. And it's been revealed by those seals being released. Praise God. Now that's what I had to say today. Hopefully you got something from it. There's a whole lot more truth in those seals, in those trumpets. But my question today is, is, where are we living? Are we living in the blessings? Because you can say into that mountain, cast you into yonder sea. You can cast that thing away. It's already been cast for you. It's already been put in the sea. But some people want to resurrect it and bring it back up. Amen. Pastor. Enjoyed that. I mean, learned the truth. Probably the best outline that pastor has ever preached. And how many believes that 
his personality under the gift of a pastor would draw a flock to him. He would draw a flock, just the character and the personality of the calling on his life. Whereas uh, I can have a different effect on people. But Zachariah said, in that day, I'd come and steal your wallet, Joel. I'd steal from you. I'd cheat you. Whatever it takes to get me to get me ahead in a Jacob spirit before he was converted at the forge of Jabok. But I would swear by God, I swear by Jehovah. And as God looked down on the earth, it was nothing but a curse. He's warned us now under this new covenant of love that since the curse is gone. If I look on my brother and I don't love him that I have seen, that I have seen. Everybody say that I have seen. You know, it's incumbent upon you to show that you love. To show that you're reconciled. If you give forgiveness, it's up to you to show it. If the forgiveness is coming from you, Remember, you're the one that pays for forgiveness. The one that's forgiven gets the payment. Isn't that what Jesus did for us despite our wickedness? Now if I see you, I should love you. How wonderfully He laid it out. The scroll that had turned into vellum paper that was not just written on top of the paper, but now they could write underneath it. On top of the paper, they were swearing by God. Well, I swear by God. I swear by Jehovah. That's why Jesus said, don't come here and swear by God. You can't make God do anything with your swearing. Now, if I can by grace, that's a horse of a different color. And then when you see your brother, because the curse is gone, Mama, we love each other. And you look beautiful today, by the way. I like your violet blouse, looking all pretty. I like it every time my mama and John comes to church. Praise God. Well, I've waited my whole life for it. I'm going to enjoy it now that I got it. Amen. This is a wonderful outline and message and comprehension to be lived by. The curse that was firmly rolled out over the whole earth, it's gone. God doesn't see us that way. Now that He's shined in our hearts, let us prove the promise and love each other. That we, You know, what we have is each other. Amen? We have each other. That's why I'm glad to see you. I love you. I want your best. I don't want your worst. I mean, if Zach and Clarissa can go to the beach and take snapshots for the Hilton. I mean, that's great, isn't it? Praise God. How many enjoy what you heard today? I counted a blessing. Now, I may, good preaching like that just makes me want to preach. And he could feel me loading up back there. I was getting all my guns out, shoving the shells in and say, Oh, we're going to preach now. It's on. So we might review 
that wonderful truth, we might review that Wednesday. Can we do it? Dustin, can we do it? How many knows this is better truth? And if you want to look up Revelation 5.1 in the right hand, write this down. Ecclesiastes 10.2 and Psalm 98.1. Ecclesiastes 10.2 and Psalm 98 verse 1. Now there's a whole teaching on the right hand in the Bible, but he's just right dead on the money. Talking about what God did by his right hand. And to go further, when he couldn't find a man, look up Isaiah 59, 16 and 17. And God saw that there was no man, and therefore he said, My own arm hath brought salvation to me. And he became the Word made flesh. And it was, Jessica, no less than God with us. God said, I was hoping a man could do it, but he hasn't been able to. So I'm going to have to come myself and incarnate in humanity through a virgin womb named Mary. Yes, Isaiah 59, 16 and 17, that's the prophecy. When he, he said there was no man worthy. And then the right hand is instantiated or posited or established in the mouth of two or three in Ecclesiastes 10.2 and Psalm 98.1. And you will get a blessing if you go home and look that up. Now I've got sprinkled references all over my Bible. But you know what this means? He's been listening. Because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You heard his beliefs today. He's not mimicking me. He's talking about what he believes. That's why we're appointed to walk together. God double booked our appointment, Joel. We're supposed to walk together. It's not the criticism that many Pentecostals, well, can two walk together except they be agreed. That's not the original Hebrew. Kevin, if God, Jesus Christ, double-booked our appointment with the same doctor's appointment at the same time, and we both get there and say, well, my appointment's 720, and Kevin says, well, mine is too. Then apparently the doctor wanted us to meet one another. We got the same appointment at the same time in the same place. How many knows it's because of Jesus Christ that I know you or met you? He double booked our appointment. We were supposed to meet. Now we're supposed to love one another. I mean, he's working on the love. At least I am. To be more of a loving person. A lot of times I'll go with the truth and say, I didn't mean to leave love out, but I just left it back at the house. I got to go back and pick it up and bring it. Oh yeah, let, let me restate that. God wanted me to talk to you in love. Uh, I was a little bit bland the first time. Uh, but I'm going to say it in love this time. Now we can sense the spirit of a pastor on this man. See, it's not like me. Thank God. Thank God it's not like me. And that's a blessing. That's what a pastor does. I know we're somewhere here being a pastor. 
Yeah, a prophet like Ezekiel trying to do the work of a, of a pastor, but that prophetic still gets me. Amen? So, Father, today we thank you, we love you. Thank you for the wonderful words of life, the teaching, the revelation, the understanding that you've given us in the midst of the church. Thank you for our pastor. Thank you for his gentle, kind, loving way to share with us the truth of grace and the truth of your mercy. Lord, let us walk in the light and revelation of your word until we gather again on Wednesday night. And the time is, Lord, written on the clock, 7 p.m. Amen and amen. It's post-meridian.